0: <laughs> it would be a war fan,
1: eh? for full. 3-4 might get it here for Wolves. Flash in the shot. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Joining me uh, this evening, I've got the ever-reliable jefo Good evening. And the
0: ever-ever-stew. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> you know what, him getting ever-reliable, you, you couldn't really sum him up more, more enthusiastically, could you? But that's... You know what, when he... You wait for tomorrow or later on today if you depending on if you're in this on Monday and go and listen to Kate cage fighting debut where we talk about online multiplayer games for a whole hour and he's he's supreme professional on there
2: I think I think it's just i I offset against your uh, insanity for that whole hour <laughs> it was good though it was good fun I can't deny it. yeah if you get a chance. Uh, make see- sure if you are listening to this on like Spotify or something, make sure you listen to this first. Then go listen to the Cage fighting one.
1: <laughs> yeah, just drop, yeah. just just drop in any any time um, for it. I was gonna say it's like the earliest plug we've ever had for <laughs> Cage Fighters.
0: Yeah, well, that I've been on anyway.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I'd, I'd, I'd need to double check and work out if we've had um, a, a quicker one from that stat-wise um, before we talk about. The game on Saturday. A uh, couple of bits and pieces to cover. Um, again, another plug for our charity football match happening at the start of June. Um, it's going to be a Fancast 11 versus Upload United. So essentially, a team of other um, football podcasts and con- content creators all to raise money for Mind Charity. Um, I'll put the link in the description uh, for anyone who's keen to donate. But if you go to our Twitter page and our social media pages you'll be able to find it there as well um so make sure you go um you go check that out um the other thing i wanted to sort of chat about and i won't i I, i'm pretty sure both of you saw it but um this week walls have been doing their one pack week um which is basically based around their uh inclusivity around the football club and they shared a genuinely heartwarming video on, uh, I think it was Saturday, Friday or Saturday, was it? Yeah, Friday, of um the young lad, Fraser, and, you know, really powerful emotional story. I mean, I-, I won't kind of go into the nuts and bolts of it, because you should just check it out yourselves, but, A, what a fantastic little dude that guy is. Like, genuinely, I, I feel as a 30-year-old man, I shouldn't necessarily be inspired by a small child, but <laughs> just so infectious, so fantastic, and to see what the club um, tried to do around him, and in particular the players as well, and how they interacted with him. A lot of people might have seen the clip of the Arsenal players not really engaging with mascots earlier this week, and to see you know all the Wolves players in that clip it, don't get wrong, it's edited and whatever, but to see them like genuinely show like a level of cute, you know, human compassion. We, you know don't get me wrong we can be crap on the picture a lot of the time but when you're doing stuff like that it, it does make life a bit easier um so ge- genuinely like it, it it made me feel better about the result yesterday when i re-watched it back earlier today something that Stu picked up on though and i and thought it wasn't yeah. just me it, it, was wasn't just really well. it wasn't it was not... just it wasn't just Stu, but you, you did tweet it, and it got a lot of it got a lot of traction. I thought it'd be a, a, an interesting topic to um, discuss. So um, they've got Fraser there um, pre-match. Uh, he was a mascot for the Brentford game, and he gets introduced uh, to Wolfie um, and Wendy. Now, in the clip, um, one of the uh, I assume like mascot liaison person. I didn't quite catch who it was uttered the line so this is wendy's brother referring to wolfie Mm -hmm. now for those of a certain age um stew as you put it uh worrying information coming out of that lovely video yesterday wolfie and wendy are siblings yet they got married and had a child in the 90s now i feel the Cl- uh, uh, out of all the fantastic work they did last week, and it wasn't just around Fraser. They did stuff around um, Ramadan Eid. You know, so so many fantastic things. When are they going to release canon? Mm. I mean, we, we we need we need scripture. We need it nailed down, and we need it now. And I don't think it can it can wait to get uh, Jeff She's opinion on ass balls. I mean, do is
0: incest allowed in the animal kingdom? I'm guessing that it is. Um, and it's a usual kind of thing, but animals don't get married, do they? This is the the key point, and they're not over seven foot tall. So this is <laughs> this is like when Kevin Web- they, there was something with Kevin Webster on Coronation Street years ago about this as well. When they forgot that he had a kid because they hadn't read the canon. This is this is obvious that this is this is the canon of Wolfie and Wendy and the baby, which is I can't remember its name. Couldn't find any information about it. but I furiously looked about this for a good two hours after it's in the video um it 's worrying it 's worrying times and we we 're exposing ourselves up to Albion here. and they might have lost it to Sunderland today and and amazingly the uh, their brilliant protests were were shelved because they 're doing so well and going for a playoff push which kind of defeats the object really um but still they it was brought to my attention that I was informing them of this uh this mockery and this dingle-like behaviour. Um, and it's just truly shocking. It needs, it needs stamping out, and we need answers. We need them now. I mean, they could have discovered that they were related later on. This has happened before, where people have got married to their system and they could be separated at birth. You know, you know these things happen with dogs and cubs all the time, so it could be something that similar, that simple. Nice explanation for it. But we just need to know.
1: I, I, d- I don't even mind if... Right, we, we've had some funny old spells at walls over the years and particularly over the last what I think is about 30 years judging by the photos would you say Stu looking yeah, at the, I, I, looking at the kits that's mid-90s isn't it so we're talking pushing put, put, 30.
0: It, put it back up again you can tell which which that's got the the, the pumas down the sleeve when they got married yeah. so that's 99 98 99 so you're talking late 90s at that point
1: yeah, so we, we are there or thereabouts, aren't we? Hmm. I mean, could we have, when we hired Dean Saunders, gone into some sort of multiversal shift? <laughs> and then that, that might be our way of, you know, actually sort of saying, you know, we, we're not basically one of the darkest timeline of where they, they've become brother and sister. I mean, and for no- some I don't know, Went with Thanos's snap. Couldn't be with. I, I, I don't know. Uh, we we just need answers. Um and I have at, got the, the book Sandcast, of mascots. away.
0: The, the book of mascots is over there, and none of them in the entire country have ever married their own sister, had a fight, and yes. had a, and had a facelift, and all be canon.
1: Only wolves. We probably need to bring in um Steve Bird on this, <laughs> but. I say this seems like a shift it could have just it could have just been a mistake it you say could have just been a slip of the tongue didn't want to necessarily go into the whole are they married are they not it I, I get it's complicated you know it, i have explained to my toddler about um you know people who are together but not married and you know I get it but there's a ceremony is what I think you stew's getting at the flowers <laughs>
0: I was there, 20 (laughs) 20 odd thousand were there as well, who who all experienced it.
1: So, if you've got theories guys, let us know, this is my direct call out to the club, to make it known, make it stated, you know, it it, it just needs answers for me, Um, and, you know, it's not quite good enough. It, 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 it it's plagued too much of mine and Stu's weekend <laughs> to be honest um, and that's you know as yeah. of course me and Stu are two very serious people as you can see by what Incredibly. Stu is wearing if you are watching live on YouTube of course um, unfortunately though that's all the parts I had to delay talking about the game so we are going to talk about it now guys because we well, <sighs> sort of have to I know I know um I guess the biggest thing going into it was the Neves: should he start? Should he stay on the bench? And well, he stayed on the bench. We we were unchanged from the um, Brentford win, um, which I was going to say whether it was the right call or not. I think more interesting for me was actually the Leicester lineup was basically going for four strikers <laughs> um, in a bit of a do or die situation for Old Dino Smith.
0: Yeah, and it, it was it was just utterly bizarre. I mean, I was happy with the lineup. I mean, I, I, I made my case very well known over the last week and a half or so about this system works best and saw ours. and it was kind of like a, a murmuring of appreciation of, yeah, yeah, okay, it's the right thing to do. You don't change the winning team, blah, blah, blah. And then that Leicester team come out and like, everyone was furiously getting their, 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 their notepad out on their phones and trying to figure out who was going to play where. And... It was just, you had players massively playing out of position. It was like the mad days of Bruno large when we had like two, uh, back two at one point, trying to, trying to save a point. But this was from the very start. But we just tore them to shreds. And it, it kind of wasn't a surprise, really, when you looked at that team.
1: Yeah, it, it was fascinating. That it's going to be easy to forget that for a large portion of that first half, we were really good. We, we we played like a team with one two on the bounce. They played like the worst team in Europe on form. Um, and we got a goal. And you know what? It's almost like the... I'll try to work out the best way of describing this. is how you want balls to play. That on the front foot, pressing high up the pitch, um, being really sharp, incisive... And doing shit quickly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 100%. I mean, it, it, all you have to do is to look at the, the transition in the goal and who's involved. You've got midfielders, you've got forwards working together. It's seamless. You can kind of see what Ulen's trying to do now. So it's it's all about time now, about putting that into the players and giving them the time to get the understanding of doing this consistently. Because that's the only key problem that we have now with this team is just consistency. And the thing is, like you said, the goal is good because that is the the plus point. And the fact that a forward scored is a bonus, to be honest, but it's the nature of the goal and it's the nature that they won the wall back and they did these quick transitions and was able to create space to create a chance, which is something that we've not seen for a long time. But this sort of, um, talking about the team sheet, this consistency of having the same 10 players or 11 players every week, Allows the team to understand each other and to get the confidence in each other to be able to do things like that and to build and and learn new things and and to, to actually buy into the philosophy that the club wants to do.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I I definitely agree that the consistency in the lineup. I mean, d- don't get me wrong, it all kind of fell apart second half yesterday. But that you are right. I think having that consistent lineup when you in decent form and still try and get this team shout out. It, it has been showing, I think, in particular, that Lamina Gomez, pivot or duo. Because um, you don't really see Lamina go that far with the pitch usually. He doesn't tend to, you know, really be... He, he's not the one who you necessarily see pressing that high up. But because he's kind of got Gomez next to him or whatever, he, he's got trust in the players around him and frankly... That Leicester line up that we've got enough bodies to not feel that he's gonna kind of completely expose his back line.
0: It was the the old way of one goes, one stays. And it, it's so simple yet we don't see it, do we? And it it was like the old that old going back to the nineties again, that Liverpool pass and move the Liverpool groove song. There was actual passing and movement from a Wolves team for at least 40 minutes. And it was it was stuff that we haven't seen for a long, long time. Even under under Nino, you know, we didn't play that way. We played, we, what was it, Slave to the System, I think Gully called it a few weeks ago or something like that, where everyone knew the place, no no deviating from it, do as you're told, behave. There was freedom there and, and that's been building over the last few weeks and was why my Neves thing was, well, we'll get into the second half in a bit, but it was so refreshing to watch in the first half that we looked like a top 10 team again. And it it, it was... They had no answer to it. And they, they had their, their special area with the um, all-dressed as referees again, like the Arsenal units. And um, I'm not calling them ultras, they're pathetic human beings. But there, there was one of them banging the the big go with the drum who's been there for years, fair play to him, still alive. Um, he was there banging the drum through The whole game didn't stop, even when they were terrible. But... After about fifteen minutes into the game, they were silenced because th- they had no answer to me. So you had that one guy banging the banging his, his little drum because they hadn't. They were completely battered into submission. And it should have the, the frustrating thing about it that it should have been three or four. And I know that match day made it look like we didn't have any more shots <laughs> at all and blocks don't count apparently. And when they, the stat bar come up later on, and it's like oh yeah, we had. Just a couple more a couple of shots in between it between the two clubs. But they were blocked and there were so many times where there were through balls, they were either over hit or under hit from a great position, you think, Oh, just next time and you look at that fifteen shots from Leicester, sixteen from us. If you watched their match of the day highlights, you wouldn't have seen that. And even the to be fair, the club highlights didn't show it either because a lot of them were blocked on <laughs> blocked on approach, or they were wayward, but we were we actually having shots on goal. Yeah, three on target, I don't know. But it's a start. We've been used to not having shots at all for so long. And yeah, I know Dan's favourite player, Sarabia, was kind of iffy a bit, and he was more at fault for a lot of it, and he's still finding his feet. I think there's, there's still there's something there with him. He just... I just Don't really know what it is. And I think he's going to be... A a deputy for Cunha, I think he's probably his best position in the middle. If he can bulk up a little bit. Um, because He's a bit too flimsy out wide, which kind of (laughs) defeats the object a little bit, I suppose. I do
1: think he gets a little bit lost in a way. And I don't... Yeah. I don't think he's a player who... necessarily has a big influence on a game. I feel like the game kind of influences him does that make sense mm-hmm. that whereas kuna he dictates if wolves play good or bad in the first half his involvement we were good second half when we changed things around and he was isolated and things like that obviously he's not that fulcrum in the same way and it it, it kind of shows but he's having much more of an impact on the game through what he does, from someone like Sarabia, who, from what I've seen of him anyway, and the best spells that he's had as a player, it it tends to be, as I say, sort of not, not quite a poacher, but similar to those goals he, scored, like goals he scored against Fulham, where he's kind of just being a sharp, quite instinctual player, rather than being someone who's doing a lot of the intricate play and linking it all forward. So I can see why people like Dan and quite a few of us don't buy into him. But I can also see why people do, because he's clearly got a level of technical quality about him. Yeah, just, I, I think he's on who, I think I've been Dan again. Might as well just have him on referred to him three times in a row now. But, you know, we signed him for, what was it, 3.5 million? And there's a level of what you, you get, what you pay for. And it's not, it's, you know, if he sods off in the summer because we've gone for an upgrade or pain proves his fitness or whatever, he'll be very much forgotten about and it. it won't be a big deal. And I don't, I don't know, I've, I, I was still waiting for him to have that spark, but also we're not playing through him. We're not trying to necessarily create all the chances in the same way, but kind of sets him up at the back post um in the same way that, as you know has mentioned we you know we're trying to try something different um and always try and get more central players scoring more instead of you know it hopefully coming to a white man in in my opinion.
2: Yeah I I think it's just tough for him and I think Stu's probably got it bang on to be honest that he he should just be somebody who is a second choice to Cunha. Because if you look at where he's done well, he's done well in Portugal, he's done well in Liga. These are and he's, the teams that he's played for. They're ones who've had 80% possession. So he can kind of go missing for most of the game because he doesn't need to do anything or just a couple of little touches here and there and little short passes. And then he can come alive when they're at the edge of the box and they just need a shot or something like that. Because that's where he does well. When he's playing at a team like us where, you know, invariably it's like a 50-50 balance or maybe we have a little bit more possession. He's got to do a lot more, so his his faults show a lot more, mm. and I think the fact that he is like Stu says, he's not like physically built to play in the Premier League. And there's a lot of, of very very good like smaller players who probably who are very, very very good footballers, but wouldn't do well here if you think like uh, Papu Gomez, who is at Atalanta. He he's a very very good footballer, but if you brought him into the Premier League, he'd be bullied. So he's playing for horses for courses. So I think if he bulks up a little bit like you say, so, Stu, and mm. he's there as a good option. You can bring him in against teams when Cunha needs a rest or you need to rotate late in games, then yeah, it's it's a it's a great piece of business really from the club to get somebody in who's played for very good teams, is obviously he's a good technical footballer for for a limited amount of money.
0: I mean, we we don't actually, until them two came in, we didn't have a second striker option. I know people always say, oh, play Predence in the middle, but he's shit there. He's always been shit there. He does. Prudence is at his best when he's on form, out wide, and not messed with. And that is his role. He can't play in the middle. He's too small. It doesn't work for him. Like With exactly the same way we're talking about, we didn't have any of these players before. And now we've got two of them, and we're playing one slightly in a kind of, Ineffective position, really. I know he's played there before, but n- not in the Premier League. Like you, just said.
1: Yeah, uh, so I think it's going to be a bit of a time will tell, still slightly. But I say, like, if he goes in the summer, kind of not. I don't think it's a huge loss at the moment, but we'll see. I guess in a way, it was a game of two penalties. So we'll talk. We'll talk about obviously the SAR one because. I was trying to remember the last time we saw a brain fart that bad. Um, and then I thought, oh, there's a whole catalogue. Something like him and his last season when he got sent off. Um, but it reminded me very much of the Richard Stearman um, penalty he gave away many a year ago, where a player's just running away from goal and he decides to push him. Hmm. Um, the our trip. Yeah, I, sick, I, he sleep sleep did slip earth, into yeah. him, didn't yeah. he? I I think that's, at, when you see, see it live, you are like, "This is just bonkers."
0: Yeah, it, it looked like from the corner where we were. He looked like he just ran into him, <laughs> and obviously everyone's having a go at him and like, "Oh, fucking But still, regardless of him slipping in the on the turf, he shouldn't be there anyway. There's no reason for him to be going charging out doing that. I mean, we said it, we said it numerous times over the last couple of no, eighteen months, anyway, that. And I said when we signed him that. For how good he can be, he's always got one ridiculous fuck-up in him every so months, every few months or so. And he hasn't done it for a long time. And there was people on the way out saying, oh, we need a new keeper and all this stuff. And, yeah, he's not been at the level that he was last season. But in the last, what, month or so, he's been way better. Ever since we signed Bentley um, as backup, he's been great. This is the one thing where, other than getting caught in possession a little bit, being doing that kind of thing losing his mind from and doing something like this he hasn't done for a long time so i'm I'm prepared to give him a yeah it's obviously his fault and he put us on the back burner and we ultimately (laughs) it not the stuffing out of the team as well because we were so dominant and we hadn't put our chances away as per usual but then where do you put the blame do you put the blame on the strikers for not scoring again or do you put the blame solely on sar for one silly mistake where he he fell (laughs) It's
1: a bit
2: fifty-fifty for me. How about yeah, it's, tough. it's tough. It's 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 obviously uh, a complete, you know, balls up by saw to to come charging out, but you can't account for slipping. You can't account for this. He's just clumsy, and he we all know he's a clumsy goalkeeper in in certain moments because he's done the similar thing before. He's bought people down before, mm. and he doesn't need to do it. Jamie Vardy is a you know he, he might be coming towards the end of his career but he's still a fast footballer mm. he, he's still going to get to the ball way before him just he needs to use a bit of common sense but it's one of those it's it's a split second decision it's easy to say after the event that he should have done this he should have done that i'm kind of glad he did something because uh, I saw on Twitter people talking about Rui Patricio. I love Rui Patricio. He's a very good goalkeeper, but I know exactly what he would have been doing, and he would <laughs> have been standing on his fucking line and waiting. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's just as bad, really, because you would have led the, the shot
0: on goal. I mean, no one... Talk, the, the thing with this, no one talks about... Well, the, a few people do talk about the amount of ridiculous mistakes that Edison and Allison make of a similar kind of calibre, mm. because they're that kind of keeper. So... It's a trade-off. eight. You either stay stick with Rui. I mean, Rui did served us very well, but we had a different team. We were so we were so deep anyway. It didn't matter that he didn't have to come off his line. But playing the way we do, if you have got someone stuck on your line, it's a goal straight away, guaranteed. So, it's horses for courses. Eight. You want to play progressive attacking football, in theory, um, you got to make the gamble at the back, and kind of these kind of things are going to happen more. They're going to happen more than. Did Ruby ever give a penalty away? Maybe one, two. I, I, I can't think of one like this off the top of my head anyway, but it's just one of them things. Keepers like this, they're going to make mistakes like this. You just got to, you just got to take it on the chin and just carry on. And I will give him credit though. He was proper bollocking himself. You could see him just, just chatting mm. and talking to himself. Um, so angry with his own performance and mistake. You seen keepers before just shrug it off. You can see that he cares. Um and he was bright on himself, and fair enough. He fucked up. You move on.
1: Yeah, I think the fact I think it the fact on the in which first shoot it looks clumsy as well. Mm. You say he, he does slip into him, like he's not it's not like the Richard Stiff one where say like he's very much running away from God and just decides to clip him. Um it, it for me it's, it's like he, Realizes that Vardy's taking it away from goal because Jamie Vardy's quite good at that in terms of winning penalties. He does have a bit of a track record of, you know, veering away from goal, getting the contact, um, rather than, you know, as I say, doing the noble thing and trying to get a shot on target or whatever. And it's almost like Saar realizes what's happening too late, tries to stop himself and then literally gets tangled up in his own feet and knocks him over. So it is frustrating, and it did set Wolves back mentally, you could argue. But I think the real shift came at half-time, obviously, because uh, literally around the same time, Lamina, Lamina pulls up injured uh, with suspected hamstring injury, and Neves comes on at half-time. And I uh, know Leicester make a change as well. Um, we, we talked about Neves not starting and you know, to essentially be introduced at half-time. It did feel like there was very much a shift in the game, both for Wolves' struggling second half, as Lopetegui said, uh, in his post-match stuff, but also Leicester kind of gaining that bit of confidence and bit of belief in themselves as well. Hmm.
2: That's the hardest part, is is, is how you sort of um, pick yourself up. at such a crazy moment in a football game and having somebody come on like Ruben because... Ruben is a fantastic footballer, probably one of the best players, if not the best, to wear a Wall Shirt. Comes on the pitch, but to have somebody who's emotionally probably not stable, as we talk about in recent times, he's not an emotionally stable captain. Um, to come onto the pitch is not the right m- moment. And when you look at football games, you have to talk about key moments and, and these and this him coming in, being involved in the game, it it upsets the balance. And that's the key thing that we look at is that despite all his qualities as a footballer, when he comes into a side that has Nunes in, that has Gomez in, there's no balance and and everything feels unsettled. Mm. And it it, it allows um, himself to play well, but having one player play well and then two players suffering because of it, it's not good for the team. You know, and and it's all about the great, greater good and all that. Um, to, to you know, to, to to be all about it, but it's a, it's 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 all about balance. And the one thing that Ruben sadly doesn't bring to a Ulenupate team is balance, and and that's how how we need to address it and look at it. And that's sadly um, the disruptive side of bringing him into a into a team. But
0: yeah. I th- it was a team that. Was you could see that they were shell shocked, but from that point of view, they weren't. They were never going to go again. That was the problem. As soon as as he came on, there were times in the in the first. I say after five minutes of the second half, you knew exactly who was going to win that game straight away, because Mm. he at times he was he was he was deeper than our centre halves again. Like why? In a game like this against a team as bad as they are at the minute, where you've seen literally half an hour earlier, where we've absolutely ripped them apart with proper football and pass and moving. Movement's the problem. We've had movement problems. It sounds like some kind of laxative advert though, but we've had movement problems for years at this club because of the way that we played. And, because, and there's no, that's no saying it was a bad thing because... They were set up in a certain way in the championship, and that stayed the same way until Nuno left. Mainly the same under Bruno Large as well, and the one constant was Ruben Nevers. And that's—he's never going to give you movement, is he? He's not that kind of player. He's—he's he's like a he's, hes like a magician with a wand, and he'll spray lung balls out. He'll. He'll pass, but he'll never pass, move, and then carry on running because that's rarely his game. He has done it, which is so frustrating. But because we know he can do it at times, and how he when he was played further forward a few weeks ago, he can press, and he was he was sometimes the furthest forward pressing as well. So we know he can do it, but his natural game doesn't seem to be anything other than getting the ball and distributing it sideways. I you mean, know, it's a bit harsh me calling him a Portuguese crab on Twitter or I but <laughs> in the moment, like but he like G said, he influences so many other players the way he is. And like I said earlier about one stays, one goes. When Ruby's on the pitch, he stays. No what no one else stays. So it's left to <laughs> Joe Gomez to run around. Nunes was completely isolated anyway, at the best for the vast majority of the game. And he was pretty piss poor, to be honest. But so was so was Surabhiar on the other side in the second half. No, they had nothing to do. And then when you're taking Kostroff as well, you've got no focal points. And then Kunyus just screwed. Like you said earlier, Rich, he, he was completely isolated <laughs> yeah. as well. And it all comes back to the same thing where, yeah, Leicester kind of wised up a little bit. But still, someone like Adama coming on to run at them and open them up would have been an ideal substitution. And that's me, that's me saying it. That's me yeah. calling for him. And yet, Neto as well in his five minute cameo. What was the point in that? But it just changed the whole dynamic of the game. And it was very similar to the Forest game where Forest away um, a few weeks ago, where if, you, if we still had that thing in the, in the docket, I'm guessing that it's been removed now. Um, the pass map for that way, it was just a horseshoe. It was get to the corner, come back, go to the other corner, come back. It was the same again. There was nothing through the middle at all. And you're thinking, well, you've clearly shown that you can do that in the first half, because that's where the goal came from, from pressing pressing through the middle. And as soon as Ruben Evers came on, it all stopped.
1: What well, I'll say is I d I don't it's probably one of the few times I've actually seen um Lopeteghi almost get out ticked hmm. Which considering it was against Dean Smith is a against <laughs> some, somewhat shocking, but as I mentioned Let's start with this very attacking formation, and pretty much got pummeled for half an hour of the first half. Scored in the thirty-seventh minute, and then kind of shell shock until half time. They then bring on a central midfielder for Jamie Vardy, which kind of still keeps obviously a lot of their attacking options going forward, but does give them that extra man in the midfield. I think the biggest killer for Walls. Was 34-year-old Diego Costa centre forward coming off being replaced by 35-year-old, you know, bottle carrying midfielder? Because I completely see what you're saying about Ruben Neves um, in terms of actually does he he prefers to play deeper, he prefers to be a deep lying player, which doesn't necessarily fit in the grand scheme of what needs to happen in this team, unfortunately at the moment. However, we've experienced for several seasons now a midfield duo of Neves and Moutinho. Yeah, you know, we talk about offering the same thing. They both sit. Mm. And it, it, the, the warning signs there, we've seen Kuna play up top by himself. It doesn't work. Now, I'm I'm not saying that, you know, oh, let's bring on a cent forward. You know, mate, mate, hey, you bring on Jimenez for... Uh, for Diego Costa, you bring on Neto, so at least it's another attacking player who, you know, maybe you move further forward and you have someone who plays a little more in his proximity. And, yeah, it just didn't quite, none of it kind of quite added up, and it it did feel like the warning signs were there um, for it, and, again, players dropped off for the goal as well, Um, and it, it you look back on it, and I think Leicester have done very well in terms of how they've created that goal. But at the same time, Wolves kind of fell into the traps, which I find most frustrating. I think you know a lot of people have called out Mateus Nunes for the goal because he does seem to sort of lose track of him. But also you look at where Semedo ends up in terms of getting sucked into, you know, way out, way out of this defensive line. Then what the sent the center halves don't quite know whether they're coming and going. The, the right back is what you know, it's it's very Johnny esque. The goal in terms of when he's done a couple of those breaks into the box, but you know, should Tossi have done better to get goal side and get in front of him? Should the defenders have made sure they're blocking that a bit more? So the yes. whole goal felt a lot of a lot of yes, they just felt us be preventable.
0: Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I said. What exactly you summed it up perfectly there. Chaos. It was utter chaos because, and again, it sounds like we're just picking on him, but him never has been the deepest player on the pitch at times, and the defenders kind of pushing out wide, and it just didn't make any sense. None of it made any sense in that second half. It was like, are we, what are we trying to do? It was, I mean, I, I was, as soon as they scored the second, you know, it was game over. It was ne- we were never coming back from that. And it was just it was boring, which is kind of the worst thing you want to hear. I mean, you'd rather be pissed off or, or obviously, you'd rather be ecstatic, but you'd rather be one or the other. But it was so fucking dull again that you could just see the writing on the wall from a mile off, and there was players, like you said, being suckered in. Players were tired. I mean, Matthias was playing as a, as a right winger. Why? Mm-hmm. Didn't make any sense. Because in the last two games, he's played, like, Almost as a, as narrow as you'd play in a diamond, and it worked perfectly. <laughs> Yet Leicester, away of all places, he was playing as a right winger, which he's clearly not. Just odd, just odd, bizarre mistakes all over the place. God knows what happened. I I just don't know what happened.
1: I say what I will say is I, I was, hand on heart, do I think we deserved anything out of the game? Not really. Not in that second half before. Not from it? the second half. Let's be honest, that's where football matches have won and lost it to, to a great degree. But should we have had a penalty? I mean, I thought, I'm going to go for yes um, for essentially for the handball incident. Now, did not get pulled up by VAR? Am I right in thinking? Um, yeah, yeah, he did. Did he get, did he get VAR checked? Yeah, yeah because I, I I don't understand how that's not a penalty it's
2: <laughs> it's not from it's not normal is it
0: yeah from it's trying to it's explaining stupidity again that in a normal sensible world it's a penalty but <laughs> This is the Premier League where they decided at the start of the season that things like this were not going to be a penalty. In Europe, you'd get that, and we we seen it. We saw it against Man City. Uh, was it was again. It was Leipzig who got a ridiculously soft penalty for handball, which you'd never seen the Premier League given. Um, um, yeah, fine. When, Yeah, they in got yeah. yeah, they got pummeled anyway, so it didn't matter. But still, that would never get given in the Premier League this season, for whatever reason. Who really knows? But. It was the same with the, like people have said about the, the Maguire one um, a couple of weeks ago. Similar thing, he rolled in, he did hit his hand. But the amount of time, the the more I've watched that, where he's jumped and it's clearly, I think the flight of the ball changing so much off his arm, makes me kind of think, yeah, that is more of a penalty than it than the Maguire one because of how, but then because of how he's jumped, his arms flailing around anyway because it's a weird angle, so. They'll bring that into it. But
1: he's nowhere near the ball. But his yeah. head's nowhere near the ball.
0: Yeah, Sorry. he completely misses it. He completely misses the ball with his head. And because he's kind of twisted, he's, I mean, this is what Derby Gallery will say tomorrow. Because he's twisted, it's hit his arm, and it's bounced down. and But it hasn't bounced down, It bends the other way. Yeah. <laughs> so, But that's literally what is this? Day and a half later? And I've seen that 20, 20-odd 20 times now this is the first time tonight that I'm thinking that probably should have been given. Whereas before when I, I didn't think it at the time, I thought, oh, it's just one of them things, but we did, the angle was a bit different from the corner. And then I watched it on Twitter last night and then on match of the day and I thought, no, nah, you ain't getting that given. But the direction of the ball changes so dramatically that, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. I'm changing my own mind. That should have been given.
1: Like, for me, if if it kind of catches a flick on and it hits you on, mm. fair enough. But that ball's travelled an awful long way for him to miss the ball that badly with his head. Then catches on. It's a it, it stand ball. I, 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 I'm usually fairly kind of on the fence about these, but no, I think, I think that's a pretty bad decision for me.
0: It's, it's not even a surprise, is it? So,
1: no. Well, I was going to say you could rattle off the handball instance we've had against Leicester. It, well, look, it, the... it, it's a catalogue at this point.
0: As soon, as soon as it came up on the screen, and it's a checking penalty, handball, and like, people laughed. Yeah. People laughed because she knew what was going to happen. Yeah.
1: yeah. Frustrating, really frustrating. Um He said, but. It didn't define rules this day for me. Like, you know, hell, if we'd have scored that, I still don't see us winning, uh, to be honest, um, or getting something out of it, because we, we were poor. We were. Um, but hopefully we can turn it around, because uh, well, we're playing again in two days' time, gents. We, are, of course, playing Crystal Palace, um, who we're kind of neck and neck with for a point, and they've kind of done what we wanted to do and you know very much crept away from relegation zone now on 37 points as opposed to us on 34 yet yeah, we, we are still six points clear from drop zone don't don't get me wrong um with six games to go so we are still probably safe almost certainly unless there's a lot of turnaround but you know palace have seemed to have kind of got a couple of those wins recently um well but Vern beaten in four um after sort of you know draw up the weekend against against uh Everton uh wins against Southampton, Leeds and of course Leicester as well. How are you think it feeling going to Tuesday at the moment, Stu, because we don't have a great record against Patmos, do we? I
0: mean we we won when there was no fans there, that was nice. Um there's what, for me, there's two ways it's going to go. If Lamina's fit and we play the first the, the team that lined up in the first half, or a variation of that, you, I think you kind of know what I mean. I'm pretty confident. I think it'll be a pretty decent game. Um, but if we start with if we start playing horseshoe football again with certain players in there and a certain lineup, we're going to get absolutely ripped apart, man. I mean, you look at how I know they only got nil nil the weekend, but look how how flowing they were playing there. The fo- it was the kind of football that we were playing in the first twenty twenty five minutes yesterday that Roy the boys brought back to them out of nowhere. If we start pissing about and playing some kind of like containment boring football again, I think they just rip us apart. I've got no I've got no confidence in it whatsoever if that's the case. But on the other side of it, it's anyone's.
2: Yeah, I think you're probably right. I, I think it's all down to what he to what he does. And I think the two key things he needs to think about are who plays up front, if Diego Costa can play, and then who replaces Lamina. Because they're the two key areas that we, what we've done well with in recent games and when we've won games especially like the Chelsea and the Brentford game is, is these have been the two key areas within the spine of our team. And if we, if we have points in that squad where we haven't got a spine, I, you know, Kuhn, you're playing as a lone striker. Um, it's it's not going to work. It's, it's just, it, it's like having a body with no head because you can't <laughs> yeah. do nothing. It's, it's, There's nothing there. He's a good footballer, but he links play. You need somebody to play off. Diego Costa can give you that because of all the experience that he's got in the world. Can Raul come in and do that? I don't know. It's just, it's hard to say. This is the, we're at a point now where we're screaming for for Sasha Kalajic to have some kind of Jesus-esque revival to be brought back from the dead of of an ACL injury to come back and play because it's exactly what we need and that's where we see the positives.
0: Before the uh, pedants come on Twitter, he can't play this season, he's not registered. Ah, fair enough.
2: (laughs) I'm sure we could... because he had been in such a miracle scale of a comeback, I think I think the FA could probably do as a solid, you know. Um,
0: yeah, we we could we could dress him up as chiquinho but that would be uh, problematic in twenty twenty three, wouldn't it? So yeah, there. yeah, just no just further comment hand. on that one. <laughs> yeah, we'll,
1: we'll, we'll swiftly move on. Um, it's a full fixture. I was going to say it's a full game week, as the kids say nowadays. Um, so you've got us. Um, um, so on Tuesday, really interesting tie: Leeds versus uh, Leicester. I mean, I know Leicester have just beaten us, but I quite like to see them win again. Now, <laughs> and, mm. because... he drags them in exactly, and you know, Leeds thought they got it all sussed out when they beat us for when they beat us for two. Oh, tie's turning, tie's turning um, again. Forest um, against Brighton should be an interesting one. Um and then on on Thursday in terms of ones that affect us to a degree, Southampton Bournemouth um and Everton are playing as well, but I feel like we're now in that mini league, I think, above the relegation zone of the teams who have carved kind of yet to get 38 points. So basically it's from I'd say Palace uh to Bournemouth, it, we're, we're kind of in a little league of our own, I think, of Palace, West Ham, Wolves and Bournemouth at the moment. The race um, of twelve, it, Yeah. <laughs> I, why haven't Sky branded it yet? What, there <laughs> should be a big, big push on that because it does sort of feel that's where those four teams are going to finish. So, Well, it, we'll
0: if, if, if Chelsea carry on being like they are, you can absolutely guarantee that it'll be Ocean's Eleven or something like that if if they, if they get dragged in as well. If they lose another couple, they what? How many points away are they?
1: Uh, they Two points. are on thirty-nine points with a game in hand on Crystal Palace. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, that's Chelsea just... chase.
2: That's what I'm going
1: yeah. for. <laughs> they are legitimately awful at the moment, Chelsea. I mean, it's I mean, glorious it's, to see.
0: Well. We've gone 48 minutes without mentioning Spurs.
1: <laughs> I mean, Sp- Spurs be Spurs in. I've
0: yeah, never
2: no,
0: seen anything no, no like comment. it. In my, I mean, my, my entire life of watching football, I've never seen anything as ridiculous as that first 20, 25 minutes or whatever it was today. Just utterly baffling how shit they can be, and then to bring <laughs> to bring a defender on to shir it up at five nil. <laughs>
1: I mean, my, my two points, it almost reminded me of, of uh, Brazil-Germany in the 2014 yeah, yeah, World Cup where they just, like, just legitimately forgot how to do their jobs. I think there is something in terms of Spurs that, uh, admittedly with their current manager, the fact he's not actually a manager, it, 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 is, it is the Spurs' equivalent of hiring Terry Connor until the end of the season. And they are feeling the effects of it, and that sounds like I'm really discrediting the guy who's probably a world class coach, but that clue is such a shambles, and obviously it was indicative of them getting of, of Conte moving on and there not being any real like plan or identity, but they've just kind of just got you know let's just sack it in for the rest of the season again same as Chelsea in a way because they still, at a certain point they still had an outside chance of getting European football even if it was Europa Conference right but now it just serves them better to write off this season and not have to concentrate about and not have the additional games with the Cups next season and it sort of feels like that's going to end up I mean with Spurs the the Spurs thing will then for them to be in the Europa Conference uh, (laughs) in your <laughs> conference won't it but that' that'd just be peak spurs wouldn't it
0: and and get knocked out by some Armenians
1: yeah them oh, playing like a full strength side as well <laughs> that, that's the only way I can see it but um yeah so should be some tasty games at the weekend if you ask me uh, in, in the week uh, we will be back on Wednesday by the way uh ladies and gentlemen, to talk about the uh, Palace game, and also preview the Brighton game as well. Um, it's all coming thick and fast, isn't it? It's almost like we're barreling towards the end of the season. Now, and how much you boys like it? Who fancies a quiz? We've got, because it's preview, because we're combining shows this week, because oh, of the God. turnaround time. I know. So, I'm sorry, I'm, on break, break, I'm freezing. I'm breaking. <laughs> is, 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 I'll, I'll be honest with you, it won't work with just one of you. Um, of course, on our preview shows, we do our sudden death squads. So, today, the game is oh God. Palace 3 Wolves 1 from the um, it was actually February uh, from 2010 in the FA Cup replay. Now, you both you both know how a game works. Basically, you take it in turns, um, indicate where a player plays in the game. I'm gonna be nice and allow subs if they came on, but not subs if they didn't. Okay, so I would okay. also um, I'm 90% sure the little formation thing that I had lots of them making up. I don't actually know if both teams played 4 4 2. I just just, just in case you're like, oh, is he playing mind games with me? No, nope. just just thought it's a Mick McCarthy team. Let's age our bets. Um, but saying that, looking at the team, no, we didn't go for we didn't go Um Stu, would you like to go first?
0: Danny Butterfield.
1: Yes. Patrick <laughs> <laughs> Hero. I, I I kept it pretty quiet up till now. Of course, <laughs> um, for, for those who, for the untrained people in the room, uh, the, the game was kind of infamous uh, for, for want of a better term, because Danny Butterfield scored a six minute hat trick. <laughs> and I'm right pretty back. sure, was it a perfect hat trick as well?
0: Yeah, he was he's a right back. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's, he is yeah, he, he, a right back who, I mean, his, his stat lines, it's like, He'd only scored seven goals in his previous two hundred and fifty-two <laughs> games for Palace, and he knocked in a he knocked in a left-foot, right-foot header. Is it?
0: It was on. Was this the one on the? Was it on the FA websites or ITV? It was on ITV Four. Yeah, and yeah, what a bad night.
1: Yeah. So yes, you've taken the easy one. That's fine. I'm, I'm glad you did. Um, Jaffo, you are I'll up next.
2: Go, I'll go for a Wolves player. I'll go for Wayne Hennessy.
1: Wayne Hennessy did start in goal that day. Uh, Hanneman was on the bench. Back to you, Stu. Jeffrey, he did. Joffrey McGanjibe started the game. One of his few starts for Wolves. I'll go the octopus,
2: Christoph Berra. Christoph. Isn't that it? Christoph Berra, Christoph, How will get my fucking words
0: out.
1: <laughs> Berra. Yes, Christoph Berra yeah. started for Wolves. Carl Henry. Carl Henry started and scored for Wolves goal that day in the 90th minute. Oh, do I risk it? Because I'm doing well. Do I, do I risk it and for a Palace player? Ooh. Oh, go on. I'll go Sean Derry. Sean Derry, yes. He uh started uh was captain on the day and um, I believe was booked.
2: Like he like he should <laughs> <laughs> back to Stuart Studio.
0: Um the Studio What <laughs> That should be on the door. Um <laughs> Why have
1: we never talked about that before? <laughs> Wardy. Stephen Ward did not feature. Oh, for fuck's sake. No, he was not on the bench as well. I don't know if he was out injured. Um, but no. So, Jafo. For an unlikely win. <laughs> it, you, you, you've come for a win here. If you get it wrong, we lack background.
2: Um, Michael Mancian.
1: Michael Mansian. Yeah. Started. yeah. <laughs> He's done it. He's only gonna done it. It's Do, want redemption you... Arc. Do you want to... <laughs> <laughs> this is your Rocky moment. Live it. Drink it in. Drink it in, Jafo. Uh, let's see the lines ups. Uh, so four wolves, Hennessy and goal, then a back four of Stearman, Craddock, um, Barrett and Zubar, which spells kind of recipes for disaster for me. Um midfield of Mancien Foley, Carl Henry, um Miliash and and Sam vokes up from by himself. <laughs> I mean, doesn't yeah, it, it, even back then I think um yeah for warning signs on the ball. a couple of shout out names for uh, the players on the bench though. Uh, so Marcus Hanneman, Andrew Sermon, uh, David Jones, Greg Halford, Segundo Castillo, Ebanks Spake in Iwilumo, and uh, Jones, uh, Ebank in Iwilumo K1. I found the uh, Palace line far more interesting, I'm going to be brutally honest, because I could recognise most of them. Because, uh, of course, they had Julian Speroni, uh, Nathaniel Klein, Clint Hill. I couldn't remember Lawrence, Stu. Could
0: it might be Jamie
1: Lawrence, really. Uh, that one I struggled with. Um, Danny Butterfield, of course. Davis in the middle of the park, um, alongside Sean Derry, Darren Ambrose, uh, Neil Dan's, Carl. Again, not sure, and then Alan Lee as well. Um, you know, i had a young Sean Scanlon on the bench as well, which I think was a, a lovely throwback name as well. But yeah. Bonkers game. I mean, the fact it—if it wasn't classic Wolves to have a right back score a hat trick against you, then it'd be definitely classic Wolves to lose to a team with the worst form in law in, in Europe after winning two games <laughs> on <about>. the <It> <laughs> Which is more classic Wolves for you?
0: I mean, the fact that Palace—it took us five hours to get there that night, then to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost on a par with the with the Spurs fans today, but today I mean yesterday was the fact we've only won there once ever. We'd never scored in the Premier League either before yesterday. No, <laughs> only won the game in the Premier League. It was kind of nailed on that it was going to happen. Really, um, we got, we got lured in by hope, which is always a bad idea. Um, which is why he kind of in normal in a normal Wolves world that going to Brighton and losing is inevitable, but because they're playing well is the curse broken will something else happen who knows
1: it's going to be magical um but we will find out on tuesday and we'll be back to talk about it on wednesday as well big shout out to everyone who's tuned in line tuned in live to everyone who's watched this back on youtube and everyone who's listening to it um on podcasts as well um Your support is, of course, greatly appreciated. We're really proud that we've got to the 2,000 um, subscriber mark. We are um, always growing, always trying to improve, always putting out fresh new content as well. So if you've not already subscribed, make sure you smash that like button and subscribe button, please. And thank you. Um, And make sure you keep up to date with all things Wolves Fancast, at Wolves Fancast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and um again uh, as mentioned at the top of the show we'll finish it off as well make sure you check out some of the stuff we're putting out in terms of our charity football match happening in a couple of months time well i was going to say a couple of months in about seven weeks time as well um so yeah and again if you're interested in donating i'll make sure the link's in the description asap for you as well until next time though it's goodbye from jaffo
2: Goodbye and hello to my win.
1: (laughs) And it's goodbye from Stu St George.
0: Yeah, let's just let's just hope that Wolfie gets cleared, clear his name. It was a mistake because we don't want the hassle to be goodbye, everyone.
1: (laughs) We really don't. We really don't. Uh, And it's goodbye for me. We'll see you next time.